Hey, all you whip for snappers. <laughs> it's 2021, and with it, the next iteration of the podcast. We recorded this episode way back in 2020, but wanted to wait to release it for this year. We mentioned some new ideas we're cooking, and as jazzy smooth as we are, we're bringing in some new voices from the industry to get their perspectives. We really hope you enjoy it, and without further ado, let's dive into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work in Progress podcast. We've got a new episode for you today. This time, we're doing something special. We have a guest on the show. Uh, His name is Jeff Weiss. Say hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. (laughs) I'm I'm honored to be the first guest. Thank you. It's it's not me uh, changing my voice, I promise. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're talking about interviewing, and we thought it'd be a really good idea to just bring in some other outside perspectives instead of just listening to this echo chamber all the time. So with that, let's get started. Uh, Hey, Jeff. uh... Can you can you start off by uh, you know giving a short introduction as to you know who are you and um, why why you know why am I be qualified to talk about interviewing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, I've been software engineer for twenty some odd years now, and uh, through a number of of different places. Um, while I was at, um, a startup here in Portland, uh, called Puppet, uh, through their, their rise from, from 50 people to about 500 when I left, uh, I started their internship program and I interviewed probably on the order of 200 or so potential people for, for internships, uh, in addition to whatever, probably 50 or hundred people for for regular software engineering roles. Oh, dude, that's so cool. You were on the you were on the original puppet team? Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, not not like original cuz it had been oh, around right. for for like 9 years by the time like I showed up, but certainly through its through its rise uh, and and DevOps becoming a thing. Yeah. I yeah. was there in 2012 through I don't know, sometime later in the 20s. <laughs> It all blurs together. Yeah. Yeah. The before times, you know, nobody really remembers that. (laughs) (laughs) We got to wait until the history books come out and tell us what it was like. Yeah. That's the new BC, right? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So Jeff, you, you have quite an extensive uh, background and uh, you've gotten a lot of experience. Uh, That is amazing, man. So I guess from there, what are just a couple of things that have stood out to you about uh, interviewing technically in those 20 years? Yeah, I very rarely now look for technical skill when I interview. Um, I am much more interested in how someone will behave on a team. That that from me is a much better indicator of success than how skilled they are in a particular technology. Because I, I have certainly found that most people, you know, given proficiency in one programming language or technology can over time, right. Transition to proficiency in 
in another one, right? Whatever that one is that that happens to be used in the environment uh, or, or or company. Could could that be applied to interns who who don't have any necessarily any technical background in a professional environment? Certain certainly. And so one of the one of the many questions that that I asked of interns was looking to see if they had done any sort of reflection, right? It was, it was, the question was always, tell me about a thing that you have written in the past, right? Doesn't matter if it was for a project, side project, like school, it doesn't matter that you're probably embarrassed of now, right? And tell me, tell me one, what it was, why you're embarrassed by it now and what you would do differently. And so this, this was a good opportunity for like, even, even as an intern, candidate, right? Like they'd taken maybe one or two things, you know, one or two classes. Um, they'd certainly learned a lot since then, since early projects in there. And it gives them an opportunity to to reflect on that and, and say, you know, here's, here's what I did that was totally bananas, right? And that like, I should never have done, right? So, so, you know, for, for me, one of the first programs that I wrote was like an address book. And Names and addresses were hard coded into that GW basic, right? Like mm-hmm. it was awful, um, you know, and if I were to do it now, it would be doing it a completely different way, right? Like using a database instead of like hard coded addresses, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, cause then when, you know, you're 10 and you're no longer a friend with that person, like you got to delete a lot of lines of code and they like <laughs> run renum. It's no good. Um, uh, but, but, you know, there's an opportunity and, and often what, you know, it depends on what com- what values you're looking for as a company, too, right? And what sorts of mm-hmm. skills and behaviors you might might be interested in. Um, but in in this particular case, like we were looking for people who could reflect on ways uh, that they had done things in the past and potentially, um, you know, improve on them in in the future, right? And that's that's what an internship in particular is about, right? Like you're when someone goes through a computer science program, I don't expect that they are learning about pair programming, that they're learning about testing in any real regard, right? Right. Version control, uh, how to release a product. Like those are all things that you're going to learn through an internship that I don't care if you're through, like you're finished with your CS degree. Like those are things you haven't learned, right? And so I I don't look for any proficiency in those things. Um, right, right. I, I'm, I'm going to take a, a point here and say I've hard coded names before and the, the updates to remove them look really good on my uh, GitHub contributions graph. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, on, a, on a more serious note, like re- regardless of their ex- uh, experiences, whether they're coming out of college or boot camp or have been working in the field, do you? do any sort of background research into who they are? Like, do you look at their LinkedIn's? Do you look at their GitHub's if they've provided one? Like, do you do any digging? Yes-ish. So I will always read through the resume and I will look for projects that I think are interesting. Mm-hmm. And we'll, so let me, let me back up a second. So when I interview for a position, I know ahead of time the kinds of things that, that role is expected to fill. And so I have a standard set of questions that I ask of everyone for that role. And then in addition to those, 
I have a set of questions that are entirely informed by that person's resume and or experience. And so I start with the resume and if they've provided one, a cover letter. Um, if they link to a GitHub account or, or Bitbucket or something else, right, from their resume, then I will look for it. Um, I intentionally do not look for them beyond the things that they have linked for linked linked in their in their resume mm -hmm. right or or linkedin or whatever um because it's important that yes we are hiring the whole person but i'm not i'm not interested you know one way or another what someone gets up to like outside of work as long as it doesn't affect their work performance or or if they're doing those things in a public forum you know how it might reflect on the company Oh, interesting. So you sort so, of take more of the perspective of like, what does that kind of say about the person and the person that they would and how they would represent the company in that? that it, so it depends, right? So if they are in a role where they are potentially a public face for the company, then certainly, right? Interesting. That's, that's fair game, right? Like yeah. if, you're, if you're looking at somebody who might be, you know, director of community engagement, right? Um, you know, someone who who is maybe like going to lead an open source team, then then certainly like those things are important because you need to see how they interact with with community members. Um, right. But in, in general, like for for developers, I, I, I think, you know, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, Facebook, like those are those are not fair game. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, if they link to it, certainly. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess do you have any uh do you have any recommendations for for people looking to get into tech today, like in, in today's environment? Uh I, I work with a lot of students and that's a really common question that I get. It's just like how do I stand out? Mm. Uh I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think it depends. Uh like everything, right? In software, <laughs> it depends. Um so that's the real answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it depends on whether you're talking about a, a student coming through a CS program or you're talking about someone who is changing careers and coming through like a boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll, I'll start with that case and then we'll, we'll go back to the students. So in the case of someone changing careers and going through a boot camp, the way I have found that folks can really stand out is to highlight their prior experience before that, because there are many analogs between other work environments and, and software development. Like if nothing else, if you've worked in a, in like a business office environment, you understand like what is expected of you in, in those environments. That's important to note, right? You can also, I think, you know, if you've come from like an accounting background, you can talk about the parallels between like the rigor that's necessary for like accounting and how that might also relate to things you might do while debugging, right? Like keeping a track of like where you are as you, as you progress through these things. Um, or oh, Jeff, I love that, man. I love that so much. That's exactly what I, that's exactly what I preach. By the way, folks, we didn't, we didn't prep Jeff to say any of this stuff. <laughs> it's not scripted. He's not, it's, it's, it's not, not scripted. It's not. Yeah. Uh, and f like for me, I, I, say those things because many of the best developers that I have ever worked with have come from other careers, right? 
and accounting is actually one of those, right? So like I used to work with somebody at the bomb factory who like came from an accounting background at S and P. Um, and you know, another of the best developers that I worked with, she used to be an English teacher, right? And so there, there's actually a lot of parallels between like language syntax and programming language syntax. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, programming languages are much more regimented, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You, you don't you don't quite get to get away with as much and and the uh the the dictionary of syntax doesn't get added to every every couple of uh years you don't you don't see a yeah. yeet showing up in uh, <laughs> right. in a programming language <laughs> right right hopefully uh, hopefully JavaScript. right just, just uh, wait for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. one thing i want to also point out that, that i think is taken lightly is is the ability to interact with other people. oh yeah i i think there is uh, very much a mindset out there. I was one of them that goes into computer science thinking, I'm going to be working on a computer. I don't need to interact with anybody, <laughs> right? Yeah. And very much in, in a lot of other careers, you do interact with people like accounting, teachers, uh, whatever. Like being sociable is a skill and it's very much transferable to uh, programming. Like, yeah. Development is no longer like an individual sport, right? It is a mm-hmm. team sport. Um, right? You have to, you pretty much have to pair. If it's not on, on things simply for for speed, then it's for uh, business continuity, right? Knowledge sharing. Like there are many aspects where it is necessary to, to work with others in development. Um, yeah, or or yeah. even convincing them that like your way is the best way to proceed through this problem right yeah right and before before you get to to students i want to also tie this back into what you were uh saying earlier about uh shoot (laughs) tip of my tongue and i lost it that's fine so well yeah we can talk about about students for a minute too so i had uh i recruited fairly fairly heavily from reed college when when Mm -hmm. i was working at for um, for puppet for interns, uh, particularly because they did not have a computer science department. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, and and so they had in- computer science courses, but they didn't have an official department nor degree. And so, usually, when students would would take those courses, it was outside their their primary major. Um, and so, I I would then be able to try to extract or elicit how they found those parallels between their other lang- like their other field of study and and programming. Um, and one of the the interviews that I remember most was for someone who I ended up hiring three times. Um, oh wow. <laughs> so once as an intern, once as a full-time employee and then once again as a full-time employee at another company. Uh, and she was oh, able awesome. to, yeah. And she was able to relate how pointers worked in C with respect to like specific concepts within uh, linguistics. And because of that linguistics background, she actually understood pointers far better than any other computer science person that like I had ever interviewed. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm I'm interested in hearing this now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is so cool. You know, I I have a very similar experience where I um uh, not not with pointers, but uh, 
I, I've worked with a lot of people who are our career switchers as well. And some of the best engineers that I've, I've had the pleasure of working with were also teachers. Mm. And uh, I, I come at it from the perspective of like, I, I love the analogy that you used. Software engineering is a team sport. That's not the first time that that's come up in, on, on the show. Right. And, uh, and I think that it, it, it rings true every time I hear it, you know? And so like people who have naturally uh, just spent more of their time working with those types of skills, those interpersonal skills, uh, I think they, they have a huge, huge leg up over, you know, your, your, your standard folks. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I, I love that. It doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> yeah. And so there, like, there are other ways that I think students in particular can stand out. And one of those is contributing to open source projects, right? Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're implementing additional features, right? Like it can be as minor as like, hey, I found some typos in the documentation and I fixed them. Or I went through this getting started guide and here's where I had problems and here's maybe some suggestions to make the language clear. Like those are extremely valuable contributions to the community, right? Because it not only, you know, helps you get past where you were, but it makes it easier for everyone else afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that you just brought that up. That is such a, a powerful point that I think people forget about open source software, right? I think like any developer who spent any amount of time writing code and integrating with external libraries, you've run across that case where you think you found the tool that you need that solves the problem you need. And then the instructions are just the vaguest thing that you've ever read. <laughs> they're, they're, they're about as clear as mud. And you're, you're a little frustrated that like you might yeah. have the right answer, but you also can't tell. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, that's, that's certainly an opportunity for, for folks to stand out, right? Like yeah. that to me shows that they're, well, one, it shows that they're using some sort of version control, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That they have, you know, investigated how they can help things for that project. Um, and then, you know, at the very least, like opened, open a pull request for it. Um, I'm less concerned with like whether or not it actually gets merged for students, mm. right? Um, I think that's a really good distinction there. doesn't actually have to get merged. If yeah. you went through all the work and, and showed that you picked up that much context and able to contribute, that's, yeah, that's a, that's mm -hmm. basically all, all the work right. already. Yeah. And potentially like running the tests before, right. And also running the tests after your contribution and seeing that it, the tests still pass. And that that could lead to other things like uh, have opening a dialogue with the the uh, maintainers of that library, and right. in doing so, that also shows your ability to communicate technically over a a text medium, right? Like, yeah, which is also valuable, especially in today's work from home world. Right. And and for for me. Like, I think it's maybe also important to mention that, like we talked about that I worked at Puppet in those early days, which was open source. That's the only reason I got the job. So mm. I I had an interview that went terribly. Um, like it was an on-site interview and I was asked some questions about like how I might approach a problem using technologies that I had no experience in. Like granted, it was not <laughs> a good 
and well-formed interview. And Puppet later, like, actually um, did a lot of work to to improve, like, its interviewing style and platform and the things that they were looking for. Um, and it is still one of the best that that I have seen. Um, or or at least it was when I was there. But But, like, I basically bombed during that interview. Yeah, uh, they happen to have had like a community bug smashing day, like literally the next day. And like I showed up, right. And I helped close a few bugs, you know, using, uh, you know, I wasn't that familiar with Ruby at the time. And I wasn't that familiar with Git because uh, I'd been using Subversion like as, as you do. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was told later that like, that was the reason that I got the job. Was that I sh- wow. like I showed up and I showed that I could do the work. Right? Yeah, that's uh, amazing. And and you probably you probably came to that already having that like that deeply uh, painful experience of like I just went through this interview. I feel like I bombed it, and yet you're still going to show up this next day and and go through this bug bash. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean amazing, I had right? I had planned to like to go to it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. And, I, and I, like, and I was excited too about like when, when I was in there, right. Like I, you know, I came home from like visiting the office and I told my wife about uh, someone who later became my friend who was like at the soda machine in like camo pants and had like pink hair. And she's like, <laughs> that's where you need to work. That's where the cool people are. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna say okay, going going back to um, your your experience with the in on site interview. Yeah, um, I wanted to highlight, you know, given that the world's currently in a pandemic, and given how on sites are discouraged, um, I would assume. Uh, how how do you translate, I guess, that experience of an on site interview to? Uh, a more remote friendly experience and sort of your thoughts on what you look for and how you run an interview for, you know, like a a more technical focused um, session. Yeah. Uh, So I've been remote for several years now, um, primarily remote and working for companies that, that are mostly remote. Um, But even before then, when I would interview folks uh, for, let's call them like mid or senior level positions um, during during an onsite, I would pair with them. Oh. And on whatever problem like I happened to be facing at the time, right? It was never a contrived problem because I you don't get a lot of sense like of how someone's going to be able to dig into like a, long running large code base right like yeah um the downside of that is potentially like it's not solvable in the amount of time that you have mm-hmm. um unless it was something that like a problem that i had recently gone through and fixed and then reverted to an earlier branch like for the interview for like paying yeah. through it but but either way like i think it's important to work on the actual code base mm-hmm sign all the NDAs that like you need to do. Right. (laughs) But working on the actual code base, you know, with the tools, they don't have to have those tools installed. Like you can do remote pairing um, and, and get those things set up. 
but I think that that gives a better sense of how a candidate actually goes through troubleshooting whatever the bug might be or mm-hmm. in an unfamiliar code base because code, they're often large enough that like even if you've been there for years, there are dark corners that you're not aware of, right? Or the fog mm-hmm. of war, right? Like people are changing things that you're not aware of and like you get over there and it's effectively, it's a new code base by the time you get right. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I think it's great for a candidate also because they can see the mess that they're stepping into. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's a great perspective. Yeah, sometimes people can open a code base or it's kind of one of those bait and switch type things, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> it's one way of looking at it. <laughs> no matter who is talking, they're like, oh, yeah. I Okay, I noticed two trends. After you leave a company, then everything that they have ever written ever was a steaming pile of garbage, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the worst, most unmaintainable code ever. When you are interviewing somebody else, though, you're like, yeah, you know, we have problems. We have opportunities for growth and improvement, right. but that's why you're here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a, a really great point, though, uh, having folks work in the actual code base, because, you know, we we tend to operate in the the ideal world where if we were to redo this entire solution it would look a whole different way right um but that's that's very rarely the case that you actually get to do that and being able to step in and say oh well here's this problem it's related to these other things uh it's a it's a level of transparency that i don't think a lot of companies really take because for whatever reason they might be afraid of scaring away the right candidate or or whatnot but i think it's important to note that if you hire them, they're going to see it anyways. <laughs> yeah. 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 And in, in, in our, our job market, knowing that there's other jobs out there, like there's, they could easily just decide to go to a different place. Um, yeah. So I, I like that point. And I, that's something I've not considered before. And yeah. there, there have been times when I have taken days off of work of, of my current job to like, full day pair with people in at a potential new job. Right. If I'm oh, not wow. sure, like I I'll burn a vacation day because that's a lot cheaper than like, you know, changing, changing jobs, changing benefits, like all of that and finding out later that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you tell us a, a little bit more about that? So you take an entire, like you'll take vacation time to go yeah. pair with, uh, with just, uh, a prospect, with like I guess. The, the folks on the team, right? And be like, hey, you know, I've I've asked to do it, and some people are like, no, we're not going to do that. Oh, interesting, yeah. And you know, because they're concerned or whatever, or like the amount of like churn that that might be that uh, necessary, or or access rights or whatever, right? Right. Um, but but I have I have also done it where, um, yeah, like I I show up in the stand up and I'm like, hey. I'm a candidate. Some of you I've talked to. Some of you I haven't. Like I'm here. This is part of me interviewing you, um, and and getting a better sense for the work environment. Wow, that's that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Like talk about like standing out. Yeah, you're gonna remember a candidate who shows up to your own stand up and is like, "Hey, I want to pair with you guys." <laughs> but but I, I think you know also it's important then if you don't take the job, right? If you decline it right you get the offer or whatever and then say like it's not for me 
you can give actionable feedback to recruiter and to hiring mm. managers about why that is. Yeah. I like that. I like that so much because like there's, there's a big uh, gap in interviewing and, and trying to get uh, tech jobs these days where it's like, you just get ghosted, right? It's, it's more on the flip side where it's like an engineer applies, uh, doesn't hear anything back. And they're like, well, you know, I didn't even get actionable feedback. I like this or I, I like your notion, Jeff, because in, in a lot of ways, it's like be the change that you want to see, you know? You can you can actually put yourself in a position where you provide the company feedback and kind of reinforce that that kind of yeah. positive behavior, right? And usually by the time you know it's gotten to to like a virtual onsite or whatever, um, you know the company is invested in that candidate also, mm-hmm. right? And they they also want to see that things are going to work, right? And so suggesting something like an all day pairing session on whatever it happens to be that people are working on. Right. It's not, you're not asking for them to like burn a day of productivity. Like the idea is that like you help contribute to that productivity. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Would you, would you recommend that to people of particular experience? Uh, I think it's potentially better suited for for folks that are a little more at like a senior level, right? Because you're going to be asked to come into a leadership position, right? And you might mm-hmm. not have met all of the folks on the team, and this is an opportunity to do that, right? You might also not be aware of, of certain, you know, challenges or compromises that had been made in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's more around having that full picture. Dude, I think that's so cool. I am definitely going to steal that. I don't know if I'm ever, I don't, I don't know right now if like another engineering job is in, in my near future, but certainly the next one that does. uh, LGPL, right? So (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) So since, since we're on the, the trend of, you know, giving feedback to the, the company here. Let's let's switch roles. Instead of being the interviewer, you're you're the interviewee. Yeah. What, what sort of things can you do to prepare for an interview? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do a lot of research on the company as much as I can. And so this means like if it's if it's a public company, I read their annual report. Um, and those things are, you know, 80, 90, 100, sometimes 150 pages long. I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, right. And, you know, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that like I'll skim through. It's like, mm, I don't care, right. About like, you know, whatever manufacturing challenges you have, right. Or whatever, but <laughs> would it like, there's lots of, there's lots of really, really good detail in there. Um, usually it lays out their corporate strategy, you know, mm. t- to some extent, right? Like there's some competitive advantage in keeping some aspects of it hidden, uh, what they foresee their challenges are and how they're going to respond to them. Um, it lets you see where they're spending their money. Um, oh, that's a good one. And, and so, you know, some folks don't want to work right for a public company. I get it. Like they're huge. Uh, yeah. When I was at HP, uh, they had at the time 330,000 people, right? Like that's the size of Wichita. Uh, 
Uh, and so, you know, they, they can be, they can be quite large. Um, but certainly like that, that gives you a really good insight into at the company level, what they think is important and what the challenges are again at the company level, but it gives you an opportunity as an interviewer, as an interviewee, right. To, to say like, Hey, I read this in your annual report, right. That alone makes you stand out. Like you did some research into them and then say like, this is the challenge that I saw in there. How does it connect to this team? What actions are you taking to like mitigate that, et cetera. Um, Yeah. I think that that's a, I, I think like, that kind of context and the the kind of information that you're seeking out of that uh, is is absolutely key. And and I'm not gonna lie, I haven't I don't read a lot of like the uh, the, the annual reports like that because they're no. so dense. Because you're not an analyst, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is there like a fancy little bar chart that'll just show green or red and <laughs> what direction? You know, <laughs> yeah. where's yeah. the pictures? Yeah. Um, but, but I, 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 I mean, I also look for it like for the health of the company too, mm-hmm. right? Like you can see if they've been public for a while, what the trends are too, right? Like, right. Um, you know, or or if they're just, they're having a hard go of it, like because of Corona, like everybody else. Um, right. You, you can get a sense of, of how they're, how they're performing. Um, yeah. 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 And I, I think yeah. like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Nope, your turn. <laughs> Well, I, I was just going to add that, like, I, even if you're not necessarily going to read the annual report, like the, uh, th- those questions, right, getting the answers to those questions is, is important. And those are great starting points. We've talked about it before on the show. Like, those are great things to, to bring as questions when it's your turn to start asking, you know? Yeah, I like to, if I can, uh, I like to run the reverse interview, right, where it is mostly me asking them questions rather than than them asking questions of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly I, as an interviewer, I appreciated that. I learned far more about a candidate from the questions that they ask and why than I could ever get from, from whatever questions I ask them. Um, but I do, I do have like a whole section in my notebook of like questions for employers, right? And these are the questions that like I ask them uh, when, when I have an opportunity. These are generic things, right? If they're not specifically informed by um, by, by annual report or current circumstances or, or whatever. Right. It's also an opportunity of like, I have this page open during the interview. So like, if I, you know, say like, get asked what questions do you have for us? And I don't have my other list quite ready. I can be like, Oh, you know, tell me about your threat (laughs) modeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, going back to something you said about uh, trying to gauge the health of the company. One thing that I tend to do, I don't know how useful this is, but I go to LinkedIn. I see who has them on, you know, who who's working there and sort of take a, a, a peek at the average tenure of their engineering group. Yeah. Like if, if it's very like people have been there for only like three or four months, I ask them, are you guys are, you know, like, is there a turnover event happening are you guys just going through a a growth period and you know you guys are just hiring left and right like what can you tell me about you know the team that you're building right now and sort of speak to how this team is going is is reacting to current business state right yeah i i totally do that as well i will i will do as much research as i can on the company and the team um and and i'll ask hard questions 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly around diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have turned down jobs because I felt like they were not places where diversity mattered to them. Mm. Right. When I asked these questions, you know, they, they, you know, refer to things as like diversity hires or females. I was like, mm, you're not, you're not a Ferengi, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, and, and that was, that was like feedback that I gave to, to the recruiter afterwards. I said, Oh, wow. This is why, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I talked to these people, this is how, you know, they referred to, to women and underrepresented groups. I, it reflects badly on the company. Also, you're like, whatever, current 18% of engineering being women. Like, yes, you said that's fine for the Bay, but we're all remote now. Like, it doesn't matter, right? right? Like, right. that's actually abysmal numbers. Um, right. And you can do better. Uh, mm. And like, and, and hiring me as like an old white dude doesn't help those numbers. Uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> that dude, that, I think that that's really, really uh, amazing. You know, you're, you're, you're sort of doing what you can in your position, you know, even as an, uh, an interviewee to improve the landscape um, of engineering in general. I, I think that that's really uh, commendable. Thank you. Um, I mean, yeah. Inclusion is one of the like five values, like personal values that I have when I talk about like what I'm looking for. I would love to hear a little bit more about what some of those other values are. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. So, so in, in my notebook, right. So Alan, Alan knows that like I have notebooks for, for years and on all the things uh, I had, during a time of frustration, I made a list of like things I want out of a job and just like over a series of weeks, like would write down the things that I'm, that I'm interested in. Right. And often it was, you know, related to like some situation that had come up in like current day job. And I'm like, Oh, I want not that. Um, (laughs) And then later sort of distilled between like those things and um, you know, looking back at my career, like distilled them down into, into like five, values that like I have that I then try to look for, for aligning with, uh, with an employer, right? So that like, there's a good, at least, you know, corporate culture match um, in, in that environment. And so, so for me, like, I'll run through what those five are. Um, Some of them we've already talked about, right? So mentorship, inclusion, customer focus, uh, adaptability, right? Not just languages, but like across business and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then automation. Mm. Um, and automation, like in some regards, could be considered part of customer focus, right? Because like our job as engineers is to automate away the tedium so that people right. can focus on value-add things. Um, yeah. I think that's amazing. So when you are interviewing other company or interviewing for companies um, for jobs, you are, are you explicitly looking for all five of these qualities in some way, shape, or form? As much as I can. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's... That's awesome. Yeah. So I'll ask, I'll ask like, you know, what programs do you have in place for like leadership development, right? Mm-hmm. How does that, you know, pair with things that you have for, um, you know, 
diversity and equity and inclusion efforts, right, for ensuring that there are adequate number of, I usually use women as like the bellwether for, for that. Cause that's a mm. relatively easy thing to see is like, cause if people aren't, if companies aren't doing well for like women in leadership or women in engineering, they're also generally not doing well for other underrepresented groups. Um, do, do you ask these questions for, from a, any particular role like of, of your interviewer, or do you generally spread these questions across your different uh, interviewers, like within the same company? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, I often have a set of questions that I will ask every interviewer um, because they will give you different answers, right? And this is part of me getting a, a bigger picture, a better defined picture of, of that company. Um, and then some of the you know, some of the questions that I ask, you know, particularly around uh, what the landscape of the company or engineering looks like, uh, I maybe reserve for like senior engineers, uh, hired managers, um, VPs of engineering, because right? mm -hmm. they're they're in a place to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they need to know that, like, it is important, not just to people in those groups, but people outside those groups. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, this is this is mostly just for fun, have you ever had a, maybe a conversation either on either side of the table where maybe you just hit on something a little too sensitive and then suddenly like you just get like outpouring of <laughs> of like, I, I, I don't know, like emotion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the situation that, that, comes to mind is I was interviewing four interns at my alma mater at Kansas state. And, um, and there was, there was one woman that I was interviewing and I don't remember what the question was. Right. But it was entirely like, you know, work or school related. And, um, and somehow like it, her answer got onto the subject of, of her home life, which was not great. Uh, oh, wow. And, and like, and how she was trying to, I think, provide for like her, her younger brother. Um, and she started crying and, and like profusely apologized. And uh, I was like, it's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not offended in any way. Like, I'm sorry that it came up and I'm sorry that like you, um, you know, you, you now feel like embarrassed in addition to the, all of the other, you know, trauma that, that yeah. you, you've been through. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had reached out afterwards and was like, Hey, that didn't exclude you from the process. Like, I'd like to keep, you know, talking to you, but like we were ghosted, but, oh. mm -hmm. which oh, is okay. un unfortunate, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I understand why, right? Like, right. You know, and I certainly didn't take it personally. Um, yeah. Right. So, but like, yeah, I I follow her on Twitter, right? And I like have kept up, and like she's she's made a great career for herself, right? Mm -hmm. Which is which is great. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I think like sometimes in the in the interview process, there's like this fine line that I think a lot of people struggle to to find the balance of, you know, 
where you want to bring your true authentic self so that you can share a lot of those really deeply important things about you. But at the same time, where is that line that you draw for yourself between like professionalism and, and sort of the, uh, the, the image that, you know, you want to portray. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can also be difficult as a interviewer, right? Knowing Mm -hmm. like if you're at a place that maybe doesn't have HR department, um, you know, like many small startups don't, you maybe don't know like the whole series of things that like, you're not allowed to ask. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, you can be in those situations and someone will ask that it's important to know as a candidate and be like, you probably don't know that like, you're not supposed to ask whether or not I'm married, whether or not I have kids. Right. Like, right. Uh, uh, you know, all sorts of things, whether, I, I don't, yeah, citizenship is not one, if I recall, right? But like yeah. authorization to work is. Um, mm. So there there were also exceptions when I was at the bomb factory. We actually did have to ask about citizenship because it mattered because you had a clearance. Um, right. Right. <laughs> but like that's when it was okay for us to ask about citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so um yeah, that's that's also a, a fine line too. Is like, okay, how do I approach a situation where like they clearly aren't informed about labor law? Um, mm-hmm. Like, is it worth me continuing, or or do I say like that's not actually relevant for the job, right? And and some of it comes up like in in small talk too, right? People think that it's like it's just small talk, which as an interviewer, like you have some positional power that you need to be aware of, right? Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us on a little tangent here. Oh, good. Um, because better I'm all than about me taking tangents. us on a tangent, <laughs> right? Um, how how important is it to you, or or rather, what advice can you give for for folks who are looking for a new job to negotiate their their working contract, right? Your their salary, mm. their benefits, whatever, because. Uh, something that I have never done up until, I don't know, the last few years uh, was consider, you know, these, these things are very important to my life. I should be negotiating them as part of this process. And, uh, you know, it's something that I don't think a lot of people really consider, um, out, you know, especially with benefits outside of your salary. Uh, I, yeah. Is there any advice that you can give around that? Uh, so this is one of the things that was great about MBA, right? It's like there was a negotiation skills class uh, that that like was required. And it it does like cover many of these scenarios. And so I have in the past, um, in lieu of like more salary, negotiated a signing bonus, right? Like with a with like a year cliff where you have to pay it back if you don't stay the full year, which is mm-hmm. fine, right? Um, you know, that's usually easier for employers, uh, cause it comes from a different bucket than, than like pay. Plus it doesn't, um, it doesn't affect like further pay or other benefits or, um, it's not, it's not a continual thing that they have to pay out every year. Uh, I have negotiated more vacation than, um, is standard and that paid dividends for me this year. Uh, in, in that particular case, right? Because um, 
you know, we weren't able to to go on any vacations because of Corona. And so like I had six weeks of banked vacation. And when our company was acquired, uh, they're like the acquiring company was said, nobody's going to have more than three. Uh, and and so it was like I got paid out for like three weeks of vacation. And I was like, that's great. That's maybe even better than like actually going on a vacation during the Corona times. Um, yeah, that's a, that's right. a handsome little Dang. bonus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so though like those are things that you can negotiate i negotiated uh for a prior employer them sending me to fosdem uh, which is the free and open source developers european meeting um, because i had co-run one of the tracks there for several years right and so like wow. rather than me paying out of pocket to go to belgium um like i got them to cover it um that's awesome Dang. Dude, that's so cool. <laughs> Jeff's got some street cred. <laughs> yeah. He got some um, serious street cred. <laughs> so, you know, like, th- like those are those there are lots of things. Uh, you know, and if it's if it's something that's important to you, it's easier for employers uh to do like one-time things, right? Or mm-hmm. things that come from a different budgeting bucket than salary. Mm-hmm. I guess since you you've got quite an extensive uh, amount of history, I want to ask you a, a very particular question with regard to uh, negotiating uh, yeah. the offer. Have you ever seen a, a situation or a scenario where negotiating caused the uh, rescission of the offer? Uh, I don't think I have seen that personally. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah. And it sounds and, like you you may and like have... if it has if I have then like I wrote that off as like a place I don't want to work. Okay. <laughs> so it's possible awesome. I have and it was like mm, f you guys I'm out anyway. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, a really common scenario or a common question I get I get a lot. Mm. Um, that people are always a little worried about you know what kind of uh, what kind of leverage do they actually have in that position. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that, like, I have, the position I've eventually taken is, like, let them tell you no. Um, and both both for, like, the position itself, right, whether or not you're qualified for it, and, and for negotiating items. Um, I, you know, there are, there are other negotiating tactics that you can, that you can do. Um, you know, such as anchoring, right? So like when you are talking to the recruiter, you can be like, hey, I'm looking for this amount in total compensation, right? Which may encompass salary, bonus, and equity. Um, but but then it also gives you room to maneuver of like, well, by the way, like you're not public. And so I don't think your equity is worth a whole lot right now, nor will it be in the future. So I'd rather have that as, I mean, this is... You know, employer bucks uh, don't yeah, yeah. like they don't mean anything um, until there's a market for them, mm-hmm. and um, you know they can they can be betting on it, which is fine. But you know, if you've been around for a while, eventually you'll see like most of them are not worth anything, um, mm-hmm. and and so like I would rather have the money now as right. stuff that I can spend, mm-hmm. right? And if it turns out that, like, later 
uh, I am kicking myself because of like an acquisition or going public. Well, that's a tough problem for me to have. And I'm sure the world's tiniest violin will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much, man. Oh, you pleasure. have just a, uh, I, I can tell in just this conversation today, you have such an, uh, an amazing wealth of, of, uh, of knowledge, but it's, it's not just that knowledge, you know, you, you have this genuine sense that you want to share it with people and share it in a way that makes it as impactful as possible. Um, and I, I, I really enjoy that. I really resonate with thank that. You. I like, uh, I like talking with people and meeting people who kind of have that energy. So thank you so much, Jeff. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's anything the why I we... pulled him in. <laughs> <laughs> Do we, uh, any, any last questions or things we want to, uh, we want to get? Yeah. Any last, uh, bits of advice that we may not have, have, uh, targeted directly. Yeah, I think, um, the thing that's that like is top of mind and relevant certainly for folks at my my current place, like as there's been normal attrition from acquisition, right, is that there are opportunities to step up, right? And take on take on leadership roles, take on greater responsibility. Um, and even when there's not attrition, you can look for those things, right? It can come from from just talking to other people in the company, right? Like outside engineering, be like, hey, what problems are you having? Like, what's your biggest pain over there? Like, is there anything that we can do about it? Um, I love that. I love that sense. Uh, the uh, for for anybody looking to make more of their position, uh, grow in influence, I think that is probably the number one piece of advice that that uh, I'd give people. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, talk to talk to your peers, talk to your coworkers, ask them what value you can create for them. You know, what problems can you solve for them? Doesn't have you you don't have to just be writing code all day. Yeah. You know? And so I like I like to frame it in terms of like what their pain is, right? Rather mm -hmm. than like what value you can create. Cause like you you're asking them for what value if you're asking them what value you can create, you're already asking them for solutions, right? Mm. Instead of just like, hey, what's the problem? And I'll figure out like if there's a good way for me to help. Um, yeah. Solve it. Yeah. I love that take on it. I love that take. I might steal it. Pain-driven pain <laughs> development. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, folks. That's our episode. That's our episode for, for today. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, our our guest was Jeff Weiss, great guy with a ton of experience and a ton to learn from. Uh, we'll plug some of his uh, Twitter and other ways to get uh, in touch with him uh, in the description below. Any last minute thoughts? Write your family and friends. Write I like a letter. That. Write him a postcard. Send him something in the mail. I like that. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, we release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us on Twitter at underscore with podcast. Come say hello and tell us what's on your mind. With that, we hope you have a great rest of your day, and remember, we're all works in progress.